Before we get to our guest, I want to talk about our NOAA subscription. CD Media is not just a local news company. We're not just a military company. We're not even just a national company. CDM is a global news organization that has reporters from the Middle East to Eastern Europe to the Balkans to Asia to Latin America to the United States. Put us in your daily scan and get the news, tip of the spear news from around the world. I know that people don't like ads, however. They don't like pop-up ads on their phone. They don't like to see ads on the websites. But you know what? We have to make money. Seriously, we have to support ourselves, and that's one of the ways we do it. However, if you don't like ads, you can sign up for our no-ad subscription. And guess what? You get access to our dozen newspapers around the world, our dozen news organizations, and you get access to all this quality, high-quality content. So, so give us a few bucks, sign up for your no-ad subscription, and you'll get access to all of the sites with a block on the ads, and you'll be very happy. And now let's get to our guest. Hi, everybody. I'm Christine Dolan, and this is our global conversation show in plain sight. And we are delighted and honored today to have Dr. Francis Boyle, who's a professor at the University of Illinois Law School, with us today. Welcome to the show, Dr. Boyle. Well, thank you very much for having me on, Christine, and my best to your viewing audience. Well, I am so delighted because we have been covering um, the COVID story now for, you know, going on the third year. And I want to look at one angle today that you are an expert in, and that is the bioweapons side of this story. And you're, you are the person who drafted the bill back in 1989 that was passed by the House and the Senate and signed by then President Bush, the father, uh, George W. Bush. And give us the background of how, first of all, how that bill came about and how relevant that is today for your conclusions that the COVID quote unquote vaccinations, these are gene therapy shots, are really bioweapon, bioweapons uh, connected to the gain of function. Right. Uh, well, uh, let me, uh, I'm not here to toot my own horn, but my legislation was adopted unanimously by both houses of the United States Congress, signed into law by President George Bush Sr. with the approval of the uh, U.S. Department of Justice. So I'm bipartisan, nonpartisan here against uh, biological uh, weapons. And what inspired me to act back in that time and to call for that legislation was the fact that the Reagan administration and its neoconservatives uh, began to uh, get into uh, the research, development, and testing of biological warfare weapons uh, in violation of the Biological Weapons Convention and using DNA genetic engineering uh, for that purpose. And so it seemed to me that uh, we, we needed domestic implementing legislation uh, to stop this. 
And so uh, I drafted that legislation. Uh, I work with the Council for Responsible Genetics on uh, lobbying it uh, through Congress. Uh, the Reagan administration and the neocons fought us tooth and nail on that. But when uh, Bush Sr. and his administration uh, uh, came into power, uh, that opposition dropped and it pretty much sailed through uh, Congress. So that's how long I've been uh, involved in this because of the existential dangers involved in uh, the use, abuse of DNA genetic engineering for biological uh, warfare weapons. That's what gain of function uh, uh, involves, DNA genetic engineering and now um, synthetic biology. By the, by the way, my uh, legislation back in 1989 also uh, criminalized uh, synthetic biology by name in anticipation of, of this, uh, this happening. It's been going on since then. I, I regret to say uh, I, I did put the penalty of life imprisonment in there, figuring that that would shake up life scientists not, not to do this. Uh, and I also uh, published an article in Science Magazine uh, warning at that time all life scientists that if they got involved in this type of work, uh, that they face life imprisonment. I thought that would deter them. It didn't. There was just too much money uh, involved, and uh, they uh, regretfully uh, did not have uh, moral character to to resist it. So here we are today. So let me back up before before 1989, because when President Nixon uh, was in office, he shut down the the, the bioweapons program. Then we had the treaty. It was at 1972. Or 75. I, I can't remember what year that was. And so you're saying that the Reagan administration picked up on it. This law was passed. It was approved by the Department of Justice, signed by uh, then President Papa Bush in, in 1989. How did we get to where we are today, Dr. Boyle? Because obviously this has run amok and everybody's in violation of that law. That law still is on the books, is it not? That's correct. Uh, it, it is there on the books today, uh, as I wrote it. There's uh, that you can read that in my book, Biowarfare and Terrorism. Uh, what happened uh, uh, on two things? Yes, we became a party to the Biological Weapons Convention in 1974. Uh, Nixon had issued an order uh, uh, ending this, but uh, unfortunately. Uh, all that happened was that the Pentagon and the CIA took their biological warfare uh, uh, agents underground. Uh, I have an official uh, government document uh, where the CIA appeared before a congressional committee and said that, yes, after the uh, Nixon order, all we did was take our stockpile of smallpox and move it to a warehouse. And that is why uh, periodically, uh, all of a sudden, if you're finding, finding the news media, they'll say, oh, well, somewhere there in the interstices of the United States government, we saw we found smallpox or tularemia or something like that. Yeah, it was secreted. So they never really stopped it, uh, but uh, it, it went underground. And it was really the Reaganites and the neoconservatives that then uh, uh, took it above ground. And remember, the neoconservatives uh, uh, believe in biological warfare uh, weapons and also ethnic-specific biological warfare weapons. 
You can read that in the PNAC report, Project for New American Century. I believe that is drafted for them by a Bolton, where they specifically advocate ethnic-specific biological warfare uh, weapons. What um, year? What, approximately what year was that? That would have been well, the PNAC. Day. The PNAC report, I believe, was two thousand. But it's oh. in here. It the it is cited in my uh, book, uh, Biowarfare and Terrorism. Right. But the neocons uh, support uh, biological warfare uh, weapons, just as the uh, they uh, support chemical weapons. Christine, uh, today. The United States government is the only state in the entire world who has absolutely refused uh, to disarm ourselves of chemical weapons. If you read the Chemical Weapons Convention, there was a date certain in there that all chemical weapons had to be disarmed as of uh, 2012, I believe. And the United States government has stalled and delayed all up and down since then and we still have a stockpile of chemical weapons. By comparison, uh, when uh, uh, the Obama administration threatened Syria, uh, we had them disarmed, lickety-split, no problem at all. So we still have a stockpile of chemical weapons. We now have an offensive biological warfare weapons uh, industry. Uh, uh, before the Biological Weapons Convention, uh, Cy Hirsch published a book around about 1968, documenting the fact that the United States government had an offensive biological warfare weapons industry. It's all in there. You can read it if you want to. At a time where it was lawful, what one could say it was reprehensible, but it was lawful. This was before, this is before President Nixon took the action to basically say, correct. we're canceling this, boys and girls. This is just too damn dangerous. That's correct. Uh, but uh, Hirsch had it all in there, if, if you want to read it. And we basically uh, reconstructed it. Now, uh, 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 so uh, the Reaganites did it. Uh, uh, Bush Sr. came in and apparently uh, uh, tamped it down. Uh, but under the Clinton administration, uh, they got back into it big time, uh, especially uh, in the uh, second term. Uh, How did they do that? Explain that to the audience, because this is this. I want people to pick up on the history of this and the evolution of this, because for a lot of people, the bioweapons and we have to keep this in mind in the United States alone. We have about 75 million people that have been born after 1990. So this is this is news to them. And when we have a generation of people slashing history, they are not going to be informed about this. So explain to them, doctor, what happened in the Clinton administration. What happened there, uh, uh, Richard Danzig, uh, Secretary of the Navy, uh, convinced uh, uh, Clinton to get involved in uh, biological warfare weapons. Uh, Danzig uh, was from uh, Yale Law School. He was an assistant professor there uh, when I interviewed there, so I, I got to know him a bit. Uh, but he was the one, according to the record, to convince Clinton to uh, get into this, and he did. Uh, but it was really after 9-11-2001 that all this uh, took off uh, and the uh, anthrax attacks uh, in, in October. I was the first person to blow the whistle on those anthrax attacks uh, coming out of a U.S. biological warfare weapons uh, laboratory and uh, uh, program. Uh, that was the uh, 
Council for Responsible Genetics Convention at Harvard Divinity School, November 3, 2001. Uh, there was a uh, Fox camera crew on the steps as I walked in, interviewed me, and I said, yes, this had to be, uh, this was super weapons grade uh, anthrax. It could only have come out of a U.S. biological warfare weapons uh, program and lab. And I had a list of them in my office, uh, which I did. Back in those days, they were a matter of uh, a public record. Uh, then I said the same thing at a workshop that afternoon uh, against biological weapons. My colleague on the uh, workshop, uh, John King of MIT, uh, runs their uh, electron mi mi microscope uh, lab, agreed with me. And then I came back to my office, said the same thing on Pacifica Radio Network. And then later that week, I said the same thing on the BBC. Uh, since then, uh, uh, I totaled the figures up from 9-11-2001 uh, until 2015. And we spent uh, $100 billion on biological weapons. You're saying the U.S. government has. The United States government, $100 billion. I did tilt the figures up up till 2015. To give you an idea, uh, uh, in constant dollars, uh, we had spent about $40 billion on the Manhattan Project to develop the atom bomb. So this is clearly a, a weapons program. Since 2015, I have not gone back and totaled up all the figures but it's about five to six billion dollars uh, per year that we spent on uh, our biological warfare uh, industry. Yes, that's where we are today. So we. And by the way, Biden, Biden just signed uh, an executive order uh, uh, last fall saying we're going to spend another. He wants to spend another 80 billion dollars more. 80 billion. 80 billion. Yeah. $80 billion more. And and so what, what is, why are we doing this? What's the justification of why we're increasing this when it's so dangerous? Well, now they're saying, well, uh, uh, the, to deal with the next pandemic. Well, they know the next pandemic is coming because it is coming out of their BSL-3 labs and their BSL-4 labs. Uh, they've, if you look at the webpage for a BSL-3, BSL-4 lab, you'll see... Uh, uh, the uh, life scientists, I call them death scientists, are research, developing, testing, stockpiling every type of hideous Nazi biological warfare agent you can possibly imagine. And Project Predict uh, is designed to go out there and find uh, uh, unknown uh, sources of uh, uh, potential biological warfare agents, toxins, whatever, bring them back to their laboratories, and then weaponize. That's what Project uh, Predict uh, is all about. Right. So Biden is saying, well, to prepare for the next pandemic, uh, we need to spend all this money. But you have to know this is a, a, a bait and switch operation. What they say is, oh, well, we can conceive that there might be some exotic disease out there uh, that hasn't been found so far, and we're gonna that that could create a pandemic. So we're gonna go out there. We're gonna find that disease, find that bacteria, find that toxin, bring it back here. Then we're gonna weaponize it so that we can develop a vaccine. So you have to understand 
the weapon comes first and then they reverse engineer the weapon to create the alleged vaccine. This is exactly what happened uh, with uh, COVID-19. I have uh, a press release here, uh, 2013. DARPA awards Moderna Therapeutics a grant for up to $25 million to develop messenger RNA therapeutics. DARPA, that's the Pentagon, Mm -hmm. Defense Advanced Research Program Agency. This was their idea. They're the ones who came up with this, and then they paid for it. Meanwhile, we know uh, that Fort Detrick, the other arm of the Pentagon, was involved in the research, develop, testing of COVID-19 at the UNC BSL-3. I have uh, uh, the article here, and it's in the footnotes that Fort Detrick was involved. So you have one arm of the Pentagon saying they're developing the vaccine and the other arm developing the weapon. And you see, to have an effective biological warfare weapon, you first need the uh, deadly agent, and then you need an alleged vaccine to protect your own people from uh, blowback. So this is where, where it came from. It all came from the Pentagon, sure. And by the way, as for synthetic uh, uh, biology, this whole field, it, it, it was dreamed up by, by DARPA, by the Pentagon, and they provided the funding for the entire field of synthetic biology. Synthetic biology is basically a, a home industry for the Pentagon. And the proof of this is that at the very first conference of uh, synthetic biologists, they adopted a report And one of the recommendations of the report was the repeal of my Biological Weapons Anti-Terrorism Act of 1989. Why? What year year did they want to do that, Dr. Boyle? I I can't. It's in my office, and that's, you know, because of the pandemic, I'm working at home. Uh, But uh, that, obviously, because they fully intended to use synthetic biology to get into biological warfare weapons. And we know that COVID-19 involved synthetic biology. That came from the Wuhan BSL-4. That is in the uh, contract as well, right, with with the UNC BSL-3, which I've read, sure. All right, so let's break this down because because not everybody is as sophisticated in understanding the legal side of this, the policy evolution side of this, nor the, the scientific side of this. So... Correct me if I'm wrong, because we've done some earlier reporting on this. The engine to create the disease is really financed by the U.S. government, whether it's under the PREDICT Project or PREDICT Project 2, since the first PREDICT Project at USAID has uh, ran out in 2019, and they have a new one running up uh, uh, under the State Department at USAID. And this is where they go out and they hunt for the coronaviruses, so this is like the bat, the bat uh, woman in Wuhan. They go out to the caves, they find the animals, they take them back to these labs. Some of them are not secure. Some of them are not up to fluff in terms of security. They humanize the mice, figure something out in a Petri dish to find out the discovered coronavirus. 
is transmissible to a human being. Okay, so then that would establish a disease at that point in time. But then what you're suggesting, and which is reflected in our reporting for the last three years, that in fact, then it helps to create the economic ongoing market for a seasonal mandated coronavirus, because these guys have discovered something in the in the wild that is harmful to human beings. I mean, this sounds like Frankenstein science. Well, that is correct. And uh, it, it's not just Frankenstein. This, this is Nazi work that's going on here. If you read the uh, uh, Nuremberg judgment on the uh, Nazi medical doctors, the medical judgment, you will see that uh, under the uh, Nazis, some of the Nazi doctors were involved in biological warfare development. Yes. Uh, I don't know how else I could describe it, but there is an historical uh, record there. As for the uh, Wuhan BSL-4, in addition, on the uh, webpage, I don't know if it's there anymore, they bragged about the fact that they applied, they now knew how to apply nanotechnology to viruses. Nanotechnology means making it uh, minuscule, aerosolizing it so that it can float on the air, in the air, uh, above the air. And that's exactly uh, what uh, uh, COVID-19 is. There was a scientist at MIT uh, who estimated it, it, it traveled about 29 feet in, in their office. Uh, another one at Cornell, 21 feet. Uh, so yes, it's been aerosolized. And aerosolization has always been the tip-off of a biological warfare weapons program. Why? Well, because uh, biological warfare weapons are delivered to human beings by air. We breathe it in. And so if they're aerosolizing a, a virus or a bacteria or a toxin, it's for aerial delivery to human beings, right? You know, what's shocking about this is trying to wrap one's head around why would people do something like this? I mean, there, there's in some policy circles, they're saying, well, you know, there may be an enemy of the United States government that is working on bioweapons. So we need to get ahead of the game so that we can figure out how to protect our people. But in fact, what you seem to be suggesting is we're experimenting on human beings being involved in this because it's so dangerous. I mean, when, when, when that bill was signed in 1989, and then it took off after 9-11. What, has it been regulated? Because my understanding is that, that this is kind of a free-for-all, that not every lab is up to snuff in terms of safety standards, guidelines. We have labs you know, anywhere from Ukraine to China to, to, to uh, other countries. I mean, there's over 34 countries. I think it's 30. I know it's over 30, um, po possibly 34 countries where these, these labs are doing these types of experiments. So it looks as if everybody's in on the game. Right. Uh, I did uh, uh, a documentary uh, in 2009 called Anthrax Wars with uh, Cohn and Nadler on the existential dangers of BSL-3s and BSL-4s. I served laboratories. as- yeah. Laboratories. And I served as a, a consultant uh, with them on it. And also at the very end, I say in the starkest terms possible, quote, 
this is a catastrophe waiting to happen, unquote. It was a statistical certainty, uh, as I saw it in 2009, that with the proliferation of these BSL-3, BSL-4 labs and uh, human mistakes, human errors, uh, that something was going to go wrong uh, and an existentially dangerous virus, bacteria, toxin was going to leak out. And that even puts aside uh, deliberate release. Uh, I do not believe that uh, uh, the what happened at the Wuhan BSL-4 was a deliberate uh, release. I've looked at all the evidence so far. Uh, I believe it was an accident. It was a leak. But it was a predictable leak because this was their first BSL-4. This was China's Fort Detrick. Uh, and even our own Fort Detrick uh, uh, leaks. Uh, the State Department had sent people out there. And there was a report back saying that there were very serious problems on security and safety uh, on on this lab. So it was a predictable leak, sure. So is this, is I mean, let's not get, for right now, let's not get into the morality, immorality of this industry. But let's get into, is this regulated? I mean, if these people are still in violation of the law that was signed by President George W. Bush in 1989, it seems to me that it's if it's illegal to have an industry like this, you can't regulate it, can you? Well, that was the problem that uh, since the United States federal government has refused to regulate any of this and has let it very much in the hands of the scientists who have been completely corrupted by the money involved. Now, after my uh, Biological Weapons Anti-Terrorism Act was passed, uh, it did turn out uh, that, uh, for example, the CDC and the American Type Culture Collection, at the behest of the Reagan administration, shipped 40 shipments of weapon-specific biological warfare agents to Saddam Hussein in Iraq in the hope and expectation that he would weaponize them and use them against Iran. Instead, what happened is after Gulf War I, U.S. forces uh, went in there, blew these labs up, and contaminated themselves. So this then led to an amendment uh, to my uh, 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 statute on uh, requiring registration of select, so-called select agents. But that's it. They just have to be registered. There's no attempt uh, uh, to stop it or to inspect it. Indeed, uh, there had been, uh, under negotiations, uh, a uh, protocol to the Biological uh, Weapons Convention, uh, an inspection uh, protocol uh, that had been uh, under negotiations during the Clinton administration. It was significantly watered down for the first draft. But what happened then is that uh, the Bush Jr. people came in with their neoconservatives, including John Bolton, and they killed the protocol. So right now, there is no protocol uh, to investigate any of these labs anywhere in the world. The latest report is now there are uh, 65 BSL-4s, uh, and they're continuing uh, to proliferate around the world. I think there's now uh, uh, 300 BSL-3s. Right from the beginning of this and pandemic, Pardon, pardon me, doctor, for interrupting. Let the audience know, because it's 
where these labs are. I don't want them to be misled and think that they're all in China. Because no, my, no, my understanding is they're spread all over the world. Well, the government is fully aware of this. Right. So everybody's in on this game, correct? That is correct. We have a cabal, in my opinion, of Nazi biowarfare uh, death scientists research, developing, testing on these BSL-3s and BSL-4s, every type of hideous uh, biological warfare weapon you could possibly imagine and have yet still, to, still uh, to be found, which is why, again, at the very beginning of this uh, pandemic, I said, uh, and going back to anthrax wars in 2009, these BSL-3s and these BSL-4s have to be shut down. And that is why then there was so much opposition uh, to me and what I was saying, because it would put out of work, out of business, uh, uh, thousands of so-called life scientists who are making money uh, off the, off of this uh, uh, Nazi biowarfare death science dirty work. Right. Well, not, and not that's why the scientific community then came after me uh, with... Uh, uh, with my interviews and this, that, and the other thing. And the news media, at least that would talk to me, will say, well, what about Professor this and Dr. that? It was very easy. I just had my research assistant do due diligence on them. And it turned out they, they all had BSL-3s or BSL-4s, and they were taking dirty money from the United States government to get involved in this. And my call to shut down the BSL-3s and BSL-4s would put them out of business. They'd have to get another job somewhere. So we all know that if there's a threat to an economic entity, that people be, that puts a cat in the corner. There's no doubt about that. Right. And there's a couple of thousands of uh, scientists. This is tens of thousands of scientists that have been trained that are part of an international consortium. So explain to the audience why you think it makes perfect sense that in the very beginning of 2020, there was a concerted effort by these people involved in this Frankenstein science, as you call it, uh, the Peter Daszaks, who, who was with the Eco Alliance, Eco Health Alliance, I should say, who got the grant from NIH or NIAID for the Wuhan lab, uh, Johanna Mazet, who oversaw the International Consortium of Scientists at the PREDICT project, as well as Dr. Dennis Carroll, uh, who oversaw her and the PREDICT project for the first go around from 2009 to two, 2019 at USAID. It makes sense to you, obviously, that these people would then write this article saying, oh, this didn't come from the lab, because if it came from the lab, the natural evolution would be for people to say, well, then let's shut down this Frankenstein science worldwide. Is, is that how you see the, the situation? And also criminal prosecution. <laughs> uh, again, explain, explain, I, that, explain that part because, you right. know, Dr. Burke's money professor and of law and international law. Well, under my uh, biological weapons anti-terrorism of, of 1989, they all knew exactly what they were doing and that they were helping to develop an offensive biological warfare weapon with gain-of-function properties. Uh, and uh, uh, you know, gain of function is only good for biological warfare uh, weapons purposes. So they knew what had happened here. They knew where they were involved in it. They knew they were funding it. 
uh, National Institutes of Health, Francis Collins. NIAID, that's Tony Fauci. Indeed, Reagan appointed Fauci to run all this for Reagan and the neocons going back, I think, to about 1985. Even the New York Times estimated that about 95% of this Nazi biowarfare work was done under the auspices of Fauci. And you have Bobby Kennedy's uh, book on uh, on Fauci, which you know I'd encourage you uh, uh, to read. Oh, absolutely, so, absolutely. So they knew that there there was money involved, massive sums of money, and potential criminal responsibility for violating uh, my act. And so, uh, of course, they lied, dissimulated uh, uh, propaganda, and large numbers of Americans died because of this. Uh, now I can, now, I can I can hear my I can hear I can hear from my audience is probably asking Dr. Boyle. Well then if the law was passed in 89 and then we at the 9/11 happens people have heard about in 2014 I think I've got that year right under the Obama administration the gain of function would I guess became known people admitted it they saw some mistakes uh, this is during the era of Ebola, H1N1, Zika, et cetera, happening, you know, after after 9-11 and into the Obama administration. But people have heard that the gain of function was shut down about 2014. And somehow it was, it was paused. A, paused. It was okay. paused. Paused is the word. Right. Paused. But then there was a workaround that, as they call it, in the intel world where it, it got up and running again. Right. Do we Fauci. know how that happened? Yes, Fauci contracted with Echo Health Alliance to uh, ship it out to the Wuhan BSL-4, where it continued. Uh, that's correct. And by the way, that still violated my biological warfare, uh, biological weapons anti-terrorism act. There's uh, extraterritorial uh, jurisdiction there. Uh, but I guess that didn't bother Fauci because the, the federal government is in the tank here. Right. I mean, they're paying for this. The NIH, NIAID, USAID, CIA, Department of Defense, DARPA, Fort Detrick. So they're not going to prosecute their uh, scientists uh, who they are paying to, to do this type of uh, uh, Nazi work. This is why I have started a campaign to have them prosecuted by state and local uh, prosecutors here in the United States. Uh, uh, states' attorneys, attorney generals, district attorneys, county attorneys, uh, they would have uh, jurisdiction as well to prosecute these people. I've argued for uh, murder and conspiracy to commit murder. You can read the uh, uh, arguments for that detail in my book, uh, Resisting Medical uh, Tyranny. And I did have a 45-minute uh, uh, conversation with the attorney uh, general of Louisiana, Landry, about this award. Uh, and we went through his uh, homicide statutes there, and he agreed with me, uh, basically saying, uh, you know, this is a political matter. And I also had a 35-minute uh, conversation with the uh, Deputy Attorney General of uh, South Carolina, and he agreed with me, too, going through his uh, homicide statute. But he said, that, you know, this is basically a, uh, a political problem. There we are today. Well, it was a political problem when, pe when people thought that the Catholic Church couldn't be prosecuted in 2002 in Boston. But right. 
there was a grand jury that was sat. There were records that were distributed, and then it became a domino effect worldwide. I, I know that from firsthand, having done that investigation um, for the last twenty years, as an institution. So institutions and pe institutions can be, you know, you can do the the DOJ criminal and civil fines, or you can go for the head of the snakes because people make these decisions, and then you have lawyers who deflect. Uh, to minimize the crimes itself. And you do have the political angle to it. I did run into prosecution prosecutors over the course of the last 20 years taking on the Catholic Church where they said to me, Christine, I don't think I can do this. Um, but other prosecutors picked it up and really didn't care whether they got reelected or not, they were going to do the best. I know in San Francisco, and she could have gone after some of the, the cardinal out there at that point in time, but but did not do that. Uh, she could have gone after you know some other people when she became the Attorney General of California, and she did not do that. It was the local prosecutors in L.A. that went after Cardinal Mahoney. So let me ask you this. Well, let me say because this. I've been, I've been saying real prosecutors. Trump has now been indicted by a prosecutor there in New York, a local prosecutor. So that gives me hope, you know, if, if Trump. Well, that's, but that's, but that's, that's, I don't want to get into that because that's right. not bioweapons. Okay. I'm talking about the guys for the bioweapon side of this thing. We let, let's go through this domestically now. So, so, uh, and, and I want to get your opinion about where these are. We know that uh, Governor DeSantis has talked about, talked, um, announced several weeks ago that he was going to have a, you know, statewide grand jury. What's your opinion of where that's going? Yes, I, I read uh, Governor DeSantis's uh, request and also the uh, order by the judge setting up the uh, grand jury. That's a good sign. Sure, I would hope. I've been in contact with people down in Florida, and I have recommended they get my uh, information to the attention of the grand jury and see if we can get indictments for murder and conspiracy to commit murder uh, by everyone involved in that uh, UNC uh, BSL-3, Wuhan BSL-4, including uh, Fauci and Collins and, and all the rest of them, Barrick, uh, uh, for uh, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, and then the chief executive officers and the chief scientific officers for the companies who have manufactured these uh, these Frankenshots, these COVID Frankenshots. So you're, ta you're, talking, you're talking about uh, Moderna, Pfizer, and J&J. &J. That's correct. Here All in right. the United States. That's correct. Bio and BioNTech, right. Bio uh, and, and also it appears, if you read Bobby Kennedy's book, Gates was funding this. Uh, so it might be possible also to uh, ensnare Gates in that as well, sure. Can you, is there any way legally, jurisdictionally, that you can go after WHO for backing up everything that they were saying in line from the very beginning in 2020? You could go after uh, people personally because uh, the my statute provides for extraterritorial jurisdiction, which is quite unusual. Most statutes don't, which means beyond the United States of America. Uh, so, yes, we do know for a fact that the WHO was a sponsoring institution of the Wuhan BSL-4. Now think about that. <laughs> what if it was a matter of public record that the WHO was a sponsoring institution of Fort Detrick? Of course, we'd know the cat would be out of the bag at that point, but the WHO was a sponsoring institution uh, for uh, uh, China's Fort Detrick. 
As for the uh, 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 Frankenshots, the COVID Frankenshots, well, it would be a, a conspiracy to commit murder. Sure. So from a, from a legal point of view, because I always like to think that, you know, people make decisions consciously with no conscience when they get into some racket like this. And it's not necessarily the companies or the institutions, um, even though it may be the, 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 the climate at the institutions to sit on the bench and keep your mouth shut. But can you go after the board of directors at Pfizer, Moderna, and J&J? Uh, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. Uh, certainly, I, I've taken the position, the chief executive officer and the uh, chief scientific officer. Uh, you know, I've been on board of directors myself uh, for Amnesty International. Exactly what you know uh, uh, is different from what actually the staff is doing. So I don't know what what the uh, board of directors themselves knew. It's a question of uh, of intent, and in the case of murder and specific and uh, 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 conspiracy to commit murder, you need malice aforethought. Uh, and I don't know what the board of directors knew, but I I believe that certainly the chief executive officer, the chief scientific officer, they must have known in these corporations. And here we have the uh, very famous uh, Zyklon B uh, prosecution at Nuremberg, where uh, the chief executive officer and uh, I believe his uh, deputy were prosecuted at Nuremberg for aiding and abetting war crimes, namely uh, selling Zyklon B to the SS to be used at uh, concentration camps where it was used to exterminate uh, Jews and, and others. And that uh, tribunal uh, found out that they knew to what extent their products were being used for criminal purposes. They were found guilty and they were executed. All right, so I wanna bring you back to Florida before we move on to another state in the United States. Um, Florida also on the local level. I've just interviewed um, Joseph uh, Sansone who's a doc psychiatrist down there who has organized in his county. And then there has been a domino effect. And I think it's three other counties to have the Republican executive committees vote on whether on a, on a ban, the jab based upon bio weapons, uh, meaning ban the COVID shots based upon the fact that they're bioweapons. You have endorsed that. So explain, explain your endorsement of that because I, I, you know, there, there, that has a possibility of getting, you know, maybe, maybe if people start to wake up, it's not, it's not just Republican, it's not a partisan issue, but it started with the Republican executive committees in four counties in Florida. So why do you think that that's a good idea? Well, because uh, I, I've read the uh, Florida statute uh, criminalizing biological uh, weapons, and it seems to me right on point uh, what's going on here. And so uh, I did endorse it. I, I work with uh, Mr. Sansone on that. I also note that uh, Collier County has just uh, adopted an ordinance and a resolution on uh, health freedom declaration down there uh, that I work with them uh, as well. Right now, I think uh, people in Florida are the cutting edge in resistance here to, to the whole ball of wax. Now, uh, I'm not sure what uh, uh, Governor DeSantis is going to do at this point with these uh, developments, but he at least has convened a grand jury to look into these matters. 
I would hope enough, uh, sufficient evidence would be presented to the grand jury along the lines we discussed today, and we can get some indictments back, murder and conspiracy to commit murder. Uh, right. I would hope so. So let's move over to Texas. Uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton has announced um, that he is opening up an investigation that I've just written about. Um, we've just released it today as one of our lead stories. But this is the announcement that he's opening up an investigation into Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, and looking at the gain of function. You feel confident about that? Yes, I, I, I've been in touch with people down in Texas. I haven't dealt myself personally with uh, Paxson, uh, but I applaud what he's doing. I think if they do look into it, uh, they will realize that uh, this is criminal activity. Murder, conspiracy to commit murder for sure, uh, uh, I suspect under Texas law. I haven't studied Texas law. I was originally hired here to teach criminal law, uh, which I did for, I don't know, seven or eight years before I moved over uh, into international human rights law. But if, if you read my book, Resisting uh, Medical uh, Tyranny, you'll see I state the case for murder and conspiracy to commit murder under basic principles of Anglo-American common law, which certainly would apply down in Texas. But I, I haven't been in uh, touch with him. And uh, if so, uh, I'd have to have a look at his, uh, his homicide statute, like I did for... Uh, uh, both uh, Louisiana, which, by the way, is not a common law system. It's a uh, civil law system going back to the Napoleonic Code and then also uh, South Carolina. Which, so do, are you confident about the efforts being afoot a in, in Louisiana as well? Well, let's just say the attorney general uh, agreed with me. He agreed with my theory of the case in a 45-minute conversation. We went through his entire homicide statutes uh, for both the uh, COVID-19 itself as a biological warfare weapon and also for the executives involved in the Frankenshots. He agreed with both of that. So it, it's a political question. And that's why, you know, I'm encouraging people down there in Louisiana, South Carolina, to bring uh, pressure to bear for uh, convening grand juries and returning indictments. Yes. Are there any in, in South Carolina that may have some political issues? And I and, and I do, you know, I do understand that that sometimes can happen. Um, but that's when you have to get the populace to educate. Take care. If people want to kill you, you know, you really need to get off the bench and stand up for yourself. So are you talking to any other prosecutors that you can share across the United States or even outside? Because we have been tracking the distribution of J&J, uh, &J, Moderna, and Pfizer and uh, biotech all over the world, because where they distribute, you know, they're having the same effects. You know, I don't know what happened to Israel because they just, they took so many jabs. Uruguay, there was a court case and the judge said, I want to see the contract between the government of Uruguay and Pfizer. Then 48 hours later, the president's representative uh, legally stepped into the courtroom with Pfizer's local attorneys and said, sorry, it's a confidential agreement. We hear about these other, you know, other countries where they're, they're challenging the U.S. pharmaceutical companies, even in, um, in Europe, Western Europe, as well as in Australia. The Australians are trying to get copy of, you know, the Pfizer contract. I mean, it is extraordinary pushback 
by it's not just the cabal, but it's the pharmaceutical companies that benefit that beneficially will, you know, enhance their bank accounts if this continues as an industry. And they don't want to be found out. Well, that's correct. I've given interviews all over the world, but alternative news media sources, the you know, an order's been given that uh, mainstream news media sources should not interview me. But I've given interviews in uh, Israel, Germany, Sweden, Italy, UK, India, Australia, and elsewhere on on these matters, uh, and uh, uh, suggesting uh, not only my analysis but but these uh, recommendations for getting these people uh, indicted. That's why I wrote my book, Resisting Medical uh, Tyranny. It's all in there. At least the first two years of my uh, uh, involvement in the uh, uh, pandemic and, and the COVID frankenshots uh, and, and opposing what's, everything that's going on here, right. Dr. Boyle, have you spoken to pr prosecutors overseas? Is there any, is there, or do you find that there are some countries where the prosecutors are listening and trying to figure out how to do this? Or are they all waiting for US prosecutors to do it? I haven't spoken to prosecutors overseas, but I have given quite extensive interviews overseas uh, that my understanding were were sent around to appropriate people to consider. Uh, uh, I, I have I believe action has been taken in India against Gates, uh, but uh, and I have given interviews in India. Sure. Well, one one of the things we do. That when when something like this is so dark, so deep, such a large cover up and expansive globally, that it only takes one prosecutor to get the ball rolling, and that's the power of one. And once once people take that moral step and move ahead from a prosecutorial level, it seems to open up the playing field. I think you're right. I've been of the uh, position here that. Uh, even one indictment for murder and conspiracy to commit murder against any of these people and the whole house of cards will proceed to collapse. Remember, 1.5 million Americans have died as a result of these people. And according to the uh, uh, latest report the week before last coming out of uh, Portugal, 300,000 Americans have died as a result of these COVID frankenshots and 18% disability. In uh, Portugal. You're saying uh, Americans in Portugal? Well, there was a report by scientists in Portugal looking at the figures here in the United States. Right. You mm -hmm. can see this uh, account. Children's Health Defense had a, uh, a story uh, on this. Right. And I think once the uh, uh, American people find out what's going on here, well, they're, they're going to demand these these people be strung up by, uh, on the lampposts. So let's go back in history because you've been you've been involved with exposing the dangers of bioweapons now for about fifty years. When you take a look at what happened in the last three years and where the climate was about bioweapons in circa nineteen eighty seven, leading up to the statue that you were the architect for that Bush, uh, Papa Bush signed, the House and the Senate passed unanimously. What do you see that needs to be done or shifted or uh, to move this to a tipping point to get people to wake up from a 
legal point of view and how serious this is, because obviously you were able, you were successfully able to get that piece of legislation passed. It's people are violating it today. The ramifications of serious life imprisonment is serious. All right. right. Uh, and then what, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a weight here. What's the difference? Because you got people's attention then. What's happening now that needs to change? Well, Christina, let me say this. As you pointed out, the cover-up here, the criminal, is just massive, um, both on the part of the uh, officials working for the United States government, uh, the CIA, the Pentagon, NIH, NIAID, USAID, uh, et cetera, and then also the entire uh, 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 drug industry and offensive biological warfare industry. But let me uh, say this. Uh, on January 24, 2020, I was the first person to publicly state that uh, COVID-19 was an offensive biological warfare weapon with gain-of-function properties that had leaked out of that uh, uh, Wuhan BSL-4. Um, and uh, last week, I read in the New York Times that now two-thirds of the American people agree with me. Uh, that gives me ground for hope. Uh, and I argued that position um, consistently uh, since then all over the country and all over the world in alternative news media sources because the mainstream news media has been bought off by big pharma and the biowarfare industry and are in cahoots with the government. But despite that, uh, two-thirds of the American people now agree with me after uh, 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 two, two, two years. So that gives me uh, encouragement that eventually the truth will get out uh, uh, to the vast majority of the American people. They are going to demand accountability, legal accountability, for everyone uh, uh, responsible for this. And my uh, ultimate objective is that they will realize we have to shut down all the BSL-3s and BSL-4s because this will happen again. As you know, the all uh, officials and scientists are talking about the next pandemic. Right, there will be a next pandemic. They know there's going to be a next pandemic because they're working on these offensive biological warfare weapons in their BSL-3s and their BSL-4s Either they will be leaked or they will be used on purpose uh, to uh, stampede us uh, into uh, uh, more draconian uh, actions uh, to be taken to set up a, uh, a totalitarian world uh, police state, right, as they've uh, uh, tried to do. And uh, by the way, uh, we know uh, the CIA has a stockpile of, of smallpox. Despite whatever you're told, they have a stockpile of smallpox. We know that the Pentagon has a stockpile of super weapons grade anthrax that was used in October 2001. That's still there, probably at the uh, Dugway Proving Ground. We know uh, that uh, University of North Carolina BSL 3 has worked on uh, uh, gain of function DNA genetic engineering to MERS, Middle East Respiratory uh, Syndrome, okay? That has a 33% lethality rate. 
uh, unlike uh, uh, COVID-19, has about uh, 15%. So those, we know for a fact, they are there. I, I read the pause letter on the uh, MERS at the UNC BSL-3. So um, when you say the pause letter, explain that to the, to the audience, Dr. Borum. Uh, right. Well, uh, uh, some scientists, when the uh, evidence came out of uh, gain-of-function work uh, out there at Erasmus uh, University, some scientists did get together, sent a letter uh, to the Obama administration saying this gain-of-function work was existentially dangerous. It had to be stopped. So the Obama administration put a pause on it. But as we know, Fauci and Collins, uh, a subcontract to Echo Health Alliance, who then took it uh, to the uh, Wuhan BSL-4. But the pause uh, expired, I believe, uh, 2017, and everyone's back in business on it, sure. Well, then, then when President Trump found out about it in spring of 2020, he also shut it down. But then the Predict Project was running out of time, anyways. But it, they they now have the another Predict Project under USAID with a different name on it. And that we know USAID has been involved in setting up offensive biological warfare weapons work. I mean, basically USAID works in cahoots with the CIA, and the CIA has been involved in offensive biological warfare weapons work as well. And for those who are watching the show, we're going to include a link with my interview from July of 2022 with Dr. Dennis Carroll, who also did a 90-minute interview with me about um, the PREDICT project. So people need to stay tuned on that. Dr. Boyle, thank you for your time. Um, we're honored to have you. I want to have you back again, and we're going to look at another you know, angle of this story uh, in the future, and probably several interviews on this, because I think this is a wealth of information, and I believe in people getting up to speed on the history of it. And it can be complicated because there are a lot of angles, and this is an octopus of a cabal, but your, your insight, your history, your perspective is very much appreciated for, for us as a show, for us as a network, and I'm certain for our audience as well. Thank you very, very much. Sure. And if your audience uh, is interested, uh, my book, Biowarfare and Terrorism, takes the story from uh, 9-11-2001 and uh, the Amerithrax attacks uh, up until it went to print. And then my recent uh, Resisting Medical Tyranny that came out last year uh, brings that story up uh, through the uh, uh, COVID uh, pandemic and the COVID frankenshots. And we will have you back uh, for two interviews on those two books as well, separately from what we sure. discussed. How do Thank people you. get in touch with you, Dr. Boyle? How do, for your writing? Uh, you know, you just uh, Google my name and uh, my... Uh, uh, address here at the College of Law comes up. Thank you very much. Sure. God bless you.